So you don't have like a type? I would say I have a type when it comes to who I let ruin my fucking life emotionally. (laughs) 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 But not when it comes to who I fuck. (laughs) I feel like that's way more important information to have, though, for yourself. Probably. But first, a word from our sponsors. Dogecoin to the moon, ready to buy the dip. Start investing in cryptocurrency today with Coinbase, and you can get $10 worth of Bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Come on, how much longer is this fiat thing going to last? The Handy is leading a sex toy revolution for the dick havers, so you're going to want to get this one wrapped around your cock with free shipping when you use promo code BILLY20 at thehandy.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the angels, the demons, and that ghost who always seems to be fucking Kesha. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Ah, hey, 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 welcome to the show. This week on the pod, I have got on Jamie LeClaire, a.k.a. Angel Lamore. They are a uh, sex worker, sex writer, sex educator. Uh, Very much looking forward to sharing our conversation in a little bit. You'll also be hearing a little bit from actor Hugo Catalan. He is one of the stars of the Spanish-language hilarious sex-positive show, El Juego de las Llaves, available on Pantaya. So I met my girlfriend's brother over the weekend, and no big deal, but I nailed it. Knocked it out of the park. Grand, my girl's ex definitely set the bar quite, quite low for me, uh, but I happily tripped right over it uh, into her brother's accepting embrace. The one thing I was nervous about, she asked me to pick up some uh, some good weed and, and roll us a joint just in case, you know, we all wanted to smoke up uh, at the end of the night. And, you know, like, look, I'm still I'm not like brand new to weed anymore. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some sort of newbie. Uh, but I did only just learn how to roll a joint during this pandemic. No big deal. So on Saturday afternoon, I was just sitting at my coffee table rolling what I perceived to be the most consequential joint of our relationship thus far. I went through three different rolling papers until I felt confident enough to really seal that up <laughs> and, and, and be ready to present it. And, uh, and we didn't even need to smoke the joint. So all that stress for nothing. But I, it sounds like I did get a full-throated, dare I say deep-throated, uh, approval from, from the bro. Also last week, I, I watched some episodes of this the Spanish-language show, El Juego de las Llaves. Uh, for which, for those of you who didn't take intermediate Spanish two at NYU, I will translate. It means uh, like the game of keys, a key game, key parties, swinging. It's a show about swinging. It's a show about alternative sexualities. It's a show about uh, non-monogamy, and it's hilarious. I normally don't enjoy subtitles. Okay, I don't usually like to mix my reading with my viewing pleasures, but this totally worth it. And uh, I sat down for a quick interview with one of the co-stars of the show, Hugo Catalan. He plays a man named Leo who is in a polyamorous 
relationship with two smoking hot women to whom he is a kinky submissive. He's also a uh, an angry artist dude of questionable income. Gosh, does that sound like anyone you know? Hugo is also incredibly kind because although I may have just flexed my intermediate Spanish two muscle there, during the entire interview, I kept calling it El Juego de las Yebes, which is not the name of the show. It's a very different word. And he was incredibly kind to not correct me. The show is available on a streaming service called Pantaya, which specializes in Spanish language programming. And I believe they do have a seven-day free trial if you want to check out the show in full. And if you live not in the United States, I believe it's available on Amazon Prime. But let's go have a little quickie with Hugo Catalan. Which of the characters do you feel like you uh, identify with the most? Well, definitely Leo. We have a thing in common, a very clear thing in common, that I I get naked to, to feed my family. <laughs> <laughs> in the last episode of the show, uh, my character goes to... Um, the stripper club and and he wins a contest a contest and he wins some he he earns money to to feed his family. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, his dick's out. I didn't. Uh, Me- I was like, this is one of those shows. I was like, the Mexican TV very liberal. This is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, this is it's like in Italy where they are they advertise for orange juice with breasts out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Different cultures. I love it. So did some, did anything like funny happen on set? I almost broke my back during the rehearsals. I really, it was, it was really painful because rehearsals I was. for the stripping scene. Rehearsals because uh, Leo is going to show off all. <laughs> he's going to, he's going to, he's going to show the skin. Yeah. I, I, I was doing some, some movements, some moves, some really cool moves there. It was really painful. But now I'm more flexible. <laughs> my, my back is more like a, more more fle- flexible now than, than it was before. I think that, that two of my vertebras were stick together. Well, I think the lesson we learned is if you're ever going to start stripping, uh, maybe do a couple weeks of yoga first. Absolutely. What was your sex education like? <laughs> really bad. <laughs> They teach you anything, or was it kind of like just like don't get someone pregnant? Good luck. That was it. Is it is it interesting you to play a character that is doing such a different relationship style than you've ever had? Yes, of course, of course. Maybe I I could have this kind of relationship someday. I, I the, the the thing that I found that that was the most important in my own thoughts was that you can do whatever. You, you want if you are being if you are honest to the other people all the time if you are looking for freedom you shouldn't lie to anyone you know your own freedom your you shouldn't be um cheating on someone because there's no need who do you think has uh better communication skills you or leo i think leo leo showing me the path yeah yeah my communication is better because of the show. Maybe not because of Leo. Leo is sort of stu- he's he's so stubborn. Angry. He's so angry. He's stubborn. Only, remember, I've only seen these three episodes. Yeah. So I don't. Re- I don't know the backstory. I'm just like this guy. For a guy who has two <laughs> beautiful girlfriends, he's so upset. 
<laughs> he's upset with the system. But you're saying he's got really good communication styles to to be in these dual relationships. So is there something specific that you've learned from playing him where you were like, I can take this thing here and I can apply it into my dating life? Tell the truth, always. What was it like the first scene you did with full frontal male nudity? Yeah, it's really bad when it's cold. <laughs> yeah, to tell the truth, it's like, oh, come on. I know. Can we <laughs> get a heater on set? What's a sexy risk you think you should, you might want to take in your life? I would like to just travel and have sex everywhere, you know? Have you ever had sex outdoors? Uh, not really. Well, you, well, not it's more of a binary. What do you mean, not really? Was it a patio? <laughs> no, no. I guess um, no. I guess I need I need to start doing that. I mean, I just want to go to more new beaches or more to make love in in, in the roof of 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 Paris with a scenic view. You know, Hugo. Thank you so much for chatting with us. And where can people go to follow you and uh, keep track of your work, sir? Instagram, it's at uh, Hugo Catalan. And I'm always posting my works there, my, my films, my, my plays, news from the shows. The Hot Show, it's a funny show. I, uh, I, I actually enjoyed it, uh, and I really want to watch more. I want to figure out who Sergio is because uh, he keeps getting talked yeah. about, but he's not in those first three episodes. So I'm like, I got to go watch season one. Yeah, and, and go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye to everybody. Please don't. Don't skip the show, El Juego de las Llaves, the key game in pantalla for the U.S. territory. Again, the show is called El Juego de las Llaves and is available in the United States on Pantalla. I highly recommend checking out the seven-day free trial and, uh, and binging the whole show because it's so fucking funny. Ah, kills me. Before we get to my conversation with Jamie LeClaire, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment, okay? I want to give a shout out to one of my fan whores on Patreon, Laura Christopher. It was so fun hanging out with you at ManwhoreCon in the sauna. Uh, Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having a good time. And thanks for supporting the show. And folks, Patreon is the best way you can financially support me, Billy Presida, and the Man Whore Podcast, which is also just me, Billy Presida. It's just me. It's a one-man team here. Over there, you can get access to behind-the-scenes content, bonus episodes. You can vote on episode title polls. You can connect with your fellow fan whores in our secret communities like The Peep Show and oh so much more. And not for nothing, you can get the satisfaction of knowing... You're keeping a roof over Billy's head and condoms on his cock. So you can become a member today and support the show you love at patreon.com slash man podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash man podcast. And now for this week's guest, Jamie LeClaire, a.k.a. Angel Amour. Uh, you know, we've been following each other on the internets for a few years now. I've been a big fan of their sex education work and, you know, they've, they've listened to the podcast and we've been following each other for quite some time. And we thought it'd be really fun and hot to, to do the podcast and then, uh, shoot some sexy content together. Let y'all get a peek of us fooling around. And we, and we ended up not getting to shoot the porn on that particular day. 
Angel did have to last minute cancel on that part of uh, of our get together. And I think in the sex and dating world, that last minute cancellation would sting a little more. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm recognizing that a lot of y'all seem to want to get a chance to see the man whore podcast guy getting up to some man whore antics, right? That's what I'm starting to notice. And so I'm starting to try to shoot more partnered content. You know, previously, uh, the partner content I've been doing has been with people I actually fuck in real life um, or someone who I, I connect with on Reddit to hook up with. And then it turns out that we both happen to have OnlyFans pages, something like that. But now I'm starting to reach out to people who like we we're mutually follow each other on Twitter and in, in wanting to do that, in reaching out, in asking people, hey, you want to shoot content? I'm facing like some no's. I'm getting some rejections. And those rejections are so easy to take because there's no emotional stakes. It has It's not always to do with me. Okay, It feels more like I didn't get booked for a comedy show than getting like turned down by a woman. And it's like, what if we always took those no's with such grace, right? What if we didn't take it so personally when someone didn't want to fuck us? Is it kind of personal that they don't want to fuck you specifically? Maybe. Maybe the timing's not right for them. Maybe their situation's bad. Or also, maybe they don't want to fuck you, which is also okay. And what if you didn't just get so butthurt over it? Wow. And I thought a little bit about the times I have not taken rejections very well, sometimes to an even embarrassing extent. And it's like, why did I get so mad? Person didn't want to fuck me. Person didn't want to go on a date with me. Person didn't want to hook up with me anymore. I've got a great hand job machine to help get me off in a very realistic fashion if I was truly hard up for uh, for an orgasm. <laughs> Anyways, that was on my mind a little bit. I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Jamie LeClaire. Uh, I, I know I had a great fucking time hanging out with them. Uh, you know, we do start off with some trauma stuff and talk a bit about eating disorders, shitty relationships. But then we get into the sexier stuff about shooting OnlyFans content and all the fun that can be had over there. And be sure you're following my OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly, because stay tuned. We do plan to get together and uh, make some fun porn very soon. Now let's go have a chit-chat with the gorgeous Angel Amour. The Man Whore Podcast is brought to you by The Handy, the hand job machine from our dear friends over in Norway. Oh my gosh, folks, you know I've been raving about The Handy off and on for like the past year because this thing is nuts. This is like the most realistic hand job, blow job machine I have ever used. And trust me, doing this podcast for over 400 episodes, I've used a few, uh, a few blow job simulators and this is the most realistic thing I have had wrapped around my cock, uh, that, that did not have a beating heart. And those Norwegians are some smart fucking people because they realized Oh, this isn't just a sex toy. This can be a community. <laughs> and, you know, fans of the Man Whore Podcast know we love some sex positive community building, right? But in this case, they they have a Reddit, r slash the handy, where people can gather to talk about their uses and experiences with the handy. And they also have a Discord server. Oh, my. I'll, I'll have a link in the show notes to the Discord server. But one of the channels in that Discord server is it matches up people who have handies with people who want to give virtual handies where you can give someone your access code and a stranger from somewhere else in the world will jerk you off from afar. Technology is so 
cool. <laughs> and you can get your very own handy and join in on all the fun at thehandy.com. That's T-H-E-H-A-N-D-Y.com. Use promo code Billy20 to get free expedited shipping. When you go to thehandy.com, it's going to say, hey, Here's a fun low. You just showed up to our landing page promo, get free shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know they're going to offer you free shipping. But folks, when you use my code, B-I-L-L-Y-2-0, you're going to get free expedited shipping because you don't want to have to wait too long to get the handy wrapped around your cock or the cock of someone you love. So again, go to thehandy.com, use promo code Billy20 for expedited shipping and then go join that Discord server and go find some stranger to give you a virtual hand job. In my conversation with Angel and Moore, we're talking about labels, agender, aromantic, non-binary. There are so many labels out there in this world. Everything's a spectrum. And you know what? I want to introduce a new label to you. Crypto Curious. Yeah, I know you've been thinking about it. And maybe you're not very comfortable talking to your friends about it yet. You don't want to be out about being into cryptocurrency just yet. You, you don't even know how to buy it yet, but you're reading up on Polkadot, Cardano, Solano, Salami. I don't even, the, the names of these things are ridiculous. Dogecoin to the moon, Ethereum. I thought that was a really bad Matt Damon movie. But yes, your favorite man whore with a heart of gold is invested in the cryptos. And right now is a great, great time to buy the dip. And Coinbase's app is an easy-to-use exchange that not only helps you buy and sell and trade cryptocurrencies, but it also educates you on crypto. They've got articles explaining every different type of coin. Each coin's page explains how that coin works, what type of blockchain it does. And if you don't know what blockchain is, hey, they got an article for that too. And Coinbase is running an insane deal right now. You can get $10 in Bitcoin for free. They're just going to give it to you. After you complete $100 worth of trades, on Coinbase, but only if you sign up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Again, qualify for $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up at manhorpod.com slash crypto. Let's go to the moon. Now let's get to the show. Okay. That's not usually the case. I right. just need to wait till my Adderall kicks <laughs> oh, in. Oh, with that Adderall, maybe a Dom personality, and you're just like, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, if you keep it a little close, I'm turning up your gain. Okay. So it's this sorry, glass your, sex toys. All your sex toys. <laughs> Was this what you were going to wear? Oh, no, no. That's I'm this planning just... an out and a fairy uh, look. And a couple videos for like Halloween. Sick, sick. Yeah. I'm sorry, you were you were saying before about Clubhouse dying out. Oh, well, I think the the community of like sex workers that was there for a little while on Clubhouse, uh, that I found like super rewarding and and helpful and resourceful, that kind of dissipated, I would say. Mm. Um, a couple like May or so. So I just kind of hopped off. Yeah. Deleted the app because it was also very distracting in some ways too. You could spend a lot of time on there. I had better luck in some of those like dating <laughs> rooms and stuff. You were in those a lot. Uh, <laughs> but those I get brought notifications. Me, those brought me subs. So yeah. Oh, that was that was so you were in there as a play on to to get subs. It was it was fun to get in to get 
you know, uh, attention from people. But also, yeah, it definitely did bring like followers on mm. Clubhouse. And then a lot of those followers turned into subscribers. And so, yeah, there, there really is something that was kind of mind blowing to me at first when I saw the the rooms that maybe like you or Marcella and folks were, were starting up. It was like, wait, they're just talking out in the open with their voices about being sex workers. And I thought that was really cool in a way that just following sex workers on Twitter doesn't even do. Because now there's a literal voice attached to a job that I think a lot of people just think of in concept. Definitely. I think there there's definitely been a couple of times where people from like the audience we allowed to come up, even though normally we would only allow like sex workers to come up and speak. But there were a couple of times where we'd let like civilians come up and talk. And that was like some of the stuff that they would say they would they would talk about how it was fascinating to them to be able to like hear our conversations and and hear the business side of things. And I was on Twitter spaces just last night, which is you know, Twitter's version of Clubhouse, basically. And there's also a lot of rooms that are sex worker ran rooms. And there was, uh, it was Teddy Pendergast or something, I think was his name. And he like came up to speak. He's like, I just want to, I've been listening to, I was so worried for the, for like, I was really worried in the first, yeah, I was bracing myself. And then it's like, I just got to say, I've been listening to y'all for the last like week or so. I am just so goddamn impressed with y'all, how much like business knowledge y'all have and like how, like entrepreneurial your mindsets are and how like you're all hustling and he was just he was like and talking about how he would completely have been doing this if he was younger and um yeah i really think it like humanized us in a way that uh a lot of other media around sex workers doesn't because it's literally us coming from like our voices and and they're stumbling upon you know people who are more the average sex worker rather than, you know, the the two extremes of sex workers that you see, the like super successful high rolling like escort or streetwalker. Like those are the two. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so to speak. I think that's what's turning the needle. I think I with the whole with the OnlyFans news that came out, you know, a month or two ago, and that whole kerfuffle, what I saw, though like it sucked so hard, there there, the public reaction seems so different. This time I was seeing people in comment threads on Facebook on like a BuzzFeed comment thread and they're going like, no, this let them sell their nudes like or like, oh, oh this is bullshit that the thing and I'm like, whoa, are these like normal civilian folks just sticking up? And I feel like that's something that made this whole news cycle of it different. Yeah, I did notice that it seemed like the general public was taking it more seriously. Um, and I'm just not sure if that's just because I think the whole industry took it more mm-hmm. seriously than some of the other scares, because I definitely felt that. I don't yeah. know if you've kind of felt that, because there were a couple of scares, I think, that we yeah. experienced through, like, the clubhouse But no one knows, era. No one knows it's happening, because it's not hidden, you know. Yeah. I think some of those were, were pretty public mm-hmm. um, and would have reached, like, the mainstream. But, yeah, I think it was because we also made it such a big deal or I think it also was a bigger scare than some of the other scares or a a more clear scare than some of the other ones. Uh, So yeah, I think that might've contributed to it, but yeah, it's definitely exciting to see that. Yeah. And I think in large part that's because of people being on Twitter and not just posting their nudes, but like also posting opinions. And I think people are starting to see sex workers 
opinions from them a little more and more and more and more each time it's hitting the news cycle i think like writers are starting to realize they should include them more and i just i think that it's making this whole humanization that people like didn't even realize that they're like oh my god they know business like fucking yeah Yeah, they know business (laughs) but like this is the first time you're hearing them speak about the business part of it yeah it's the first time you're hearing them speak without trying to sell you something you know and And i I think uh, people are moving i'm hoping are moving a little a little bit more past the just the sex work is work mm-hmm. and just doing a little bit more work than that when, when it comes to supporting us. Cause I think like, obviously yes, like that should be the bare minimum that, that we are allowed to have our labor like seen as valid, yeah. just as valid as somebody else's. And so we need you to actually like do some work and, and, and make your voice heard when it comes to supporting sex workers. And rather than just like sharing me that says sex workers work, we need people to like actually find out about the Congress people in their areas, mm-hmm. find out about all the different legislation that's going on when it comes to sex work, listen to like on the ground sex workers rather than just flash pieces. That's Mm -hmm. what drives me crazy too. And uh, this is a good time to say I'm sitting here right now with Jamie LeClaire, a.k.a. Angel Amore, a sex worker, sex writer, sex educator, sex noun, you know, pick (laughs) uh, pick sex profession, probably might fit. Pretty Uh, much. (laughs) but, But Jamie, what was your introduction into doing sex work? So, uh, so my first introduction was like definitely when I was a lot younger, Mm. um, before I even really got started with sex education, I would say, Mm. um, I think I was probably 20, 21 or so. Um, and it kind of started with selling my panties, (laughs) um, yeah, pretty much, (laughs) um, my, I feel like this is so many people's stories Well, like my partner like heard that it was a thing and like encouraged me to do it. And it was like, well, I'll help you take the pictures and everything. So uh, that made it pretty, pretty easy for me. (laughs) And I've always been very comfortable with my sexuality. And I think by that time I kind of had been uh, playing, toying with the idea of um, sex therapy and sex education um, because I had seen that as a like a minor option. What kind were you of studying in college, so I was just doing like general ed pretty okay. much, and I was starting at like a different community college, more part college uh, that was closer to the person that I was seeing at that time, and they had like a weird little like small human sexuality kind of program there. Uh, so I took all the classes that I could pretty much in there. Uh, but yeah, that kind of happened around the time that I started sex work, but I only did that. I would say for maybe a year on and off. It's not, it's not super lucrative if you're not like giving it your all. And I also don't think that out of like all the versions of sex work that selling your panties online is, is the most lucrative. I wouldn't say. I'm Jamie, sure what, what does giving it your all when selling your panties look like? <laughs> <I> don't know. <laughs> it's just like, no, I'm really weird. I wear, I wear five panties at a time. Really just <laughs> let everything seep through. I make sure they <laughs> economize the time of wearing them. <laughs> I'm pretty much just waddling around all the time. <laughs> Are they wearing a diaper or panties? What's going on here? <laughs> I have to fulfill these orders. I'm sorry. <laughs> So you did the selling panties thing, you know, a little bit here and there for a year or so. Um, And just kind of like fell off and then was mm -hmm. focusing more on school and then uh, started back up um, because I'd been doing sex education for a while and the pandemic hit and sex writing and like it's all freelance sex education and the sex writing that I was doing is all freelance and uh, freelance writing kind of took a hit uh, when the pandemic uh, came. So I think about. Mm, 
not halfway, who knows what the actual scope of the pandemic is right. time-wise. I would say about six months into the pandemic, I started um, OnlyFans, basically. So from the selling panties to the OnlyFans, you weren't doing sex work in between? No, I didn't do pretty much any sex work, yeah. Oh. Okay, and you, were, and you were focused on sex education and sex writing, so how, how'd that fill the gap? Uh, lots of, um, school, lots of trauma, (laughs) lots of, uh, yeah, just spinning out of control. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. Do you want to talk about that? Um, we can get into it. I don't, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. What, what went down? Um, what threw you off your panty selling game? (laughs) Well, that relationship, uh, Although it encouraged me in, in in my career to grow in my career as a panty seller, uh, was extremely abusive um, in a lot of different ways. Um, one of those being something that kind of stuck with me, mm. and is so basically my ex boyfriend taught me how to have an eating disorder okay. essentially, um, and that sticks with you. That's like a trauma that is with me forever because it's kind of similar to addiction. You're never really going to like, I don't know, beat it. Mm -hmm. You can be recovered, but you're always in recovery. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm like stuck with that kind of for the rest of my life. Cause, um, I mean, I knew what eating disorders were obviously, um, I knew what bulimia was obviously, but my, uh, ex partner, like, would have these behaviors and then encourage me. Your partner had an eating disorder. So my partner, yeah, my boyfriend taught it like a tip. Basically uh, like developed bulimia essentially. And then through their bulimia and their like hatred of their own body. And Mm. then like inherently like them constantly making comments about my body and encouraging me like, Oh, you should do this with me. Then we can both be in shape and all this sick shit. Yeah. All this sick shit. What? (laughs) And so eventually you like yeah i was already in that relationship for like a good like year and a half i was also uh, not in a very stable state when i entered that relationship anyway so yeah and i stayed in that relationship for like a good four years so i think i yeah yeah, we had the eating disorder like together and then it became this weird thing that we would bond over too so i didn't see it for a while as something that was abusive um so yeah, that was really, really difficult. Some people ha- have jogging, and y'all had. <laughs> yeah, y'all my parents had cycling. Disorder. Like, in a, <laughs> great. <laughs> You're like, we could have done CrossFit or something. I don't know. Like, just. I really, <laughs> really want a T-shirt that says like I was in a fucking abusive relationship for four years, and all well, I like, got I was, was this it. lousy eating disorder. <laughs> Print it. Print it. There's some shirts saying anything these I know, days. Right. You can find a hundred people buy that. I might even buy. It. Jeez, uh, I'm sure it's a co- more common story than than I've heard. You know, I feel like normally when I hear the story from like from people who who developed an story, especially if it came out of like uh, an abusive relationship, it would it would usually be like more subtle. It would usually be things like something they develop kind of on their own too. Not like in response to criticism Mm -hmm. as opposed to more like, well, I'm doing this terrible thing to my body. How about you come do this terrible thing to your body with me? And then we'll both destroy ourselves together. Which is even, it's like some, in some way, like even more insidious because it seems like, like, like I was able to explain away the abuse. Like there wasn't abuse there because it was just something like he was doing it. Yeah. And and it's mostly coming from his insecurities, or that's what I was telling myself. But obviously, it was like his generalized fat phobia, which is obviously going to extend to me. Yeah. So how how do you how do you snap out of it and get out of there? So 
it was also abusive in like multiple other ways. So kind of coming to the real, that like realization of that kind of took a little while after, Mm -hmm. but I think like the initial breaking up was because it was becoming increasingly abusive and in more uh, like verbal and physical ways. And also he was just a horribly bad person. Um, a, turns out like a horrible sexist surprise surprise racist um like a troll like a literal like internet troll um awful awful person yeah and i had started a uh a program basically where i would help uh, survivors of sexual assault um they would like call into a hotline i would connect them to services and things like that but through that you had to take 60 hours of training and it really broke down like what abuse looks like Mm. and all the insidious ways that abuse can manifest. And so I think that really showed me like, Oh, this relationship is abusive in a lot of different weird, subtle ways. Um, and some not so subtle ways. And so I think that's what gave me the, the wherewithal and the strength to, to end that relationship. The year after the breakup, I think catapulted the eating disorder. Oh, so it got worse after the relationship. Way worse after because it was, and it was able to turn into more of a uh, publicly acceptable eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I still had the bulimia, but I was turning into like this like fit person uh, back then identified as a a woman. So like hashtag fit girl, that kind of thing. Um, Always hitting the gym. And so we kind of can mask the disordered part of it. Cause it just looks like you're in shape. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not so much now because we're having a lot of different way, different conversations around exercise and fitness and what health means and everything. But back then we weren't really and and, and all those hashtags were taking over Instagram and, yeah. and everything. So I definitely fell hard into that and started over-exercising, um, developed anorexia. So I pretty much had like ran the gambit of eating disorders. Yeah. And that um, year was really rough because I had gotten out of the relationship and was like honestly looking g- good um, – conventionally attractive and conventionally uh fit i don't know it was a weird year uh because i was like single and getting all this attention from guys and why would i stop anything that i'm doing because it's going great right now so and are you cognizant that there is a problem with the way you're treating your body and eating the bulimia i definitely know and i can i knew that from the beginning yeah um but not the other things in high school was when like sophomore year i came back for preseason football and uh this chick glenn sharp like i'm walking through the the parking lot she goes like billy is that because we're all just from summer break uh, for preseason she goes like billy is that you wow you got fat and i was like whoa what oh oh no uh cognizance of my body now like oh self-awareness and and so i i rushed into just like not eating i would starve myself i'll go on these like fasts i would put it in my daily calendar i'd say like two three four day fasts breakfast wow. liquid only liquids or whatever things i and i was dropping weight and i would go into the trainer's office every day after practice for months like you know five days a week and go into the trainer's office stepping on a scale should have been a red flag for people. I would tell people very explicitly, oh, no, I'm doing like a three-day fast. I was shouting for help in basically every possible way. Uh, and everyone was just like, oh, no, good for Billy. Because like, I did have weight to lose. Like in the theory of like I had gained weight. I was heavier. So everyone just thought like, oh, he's been healthy. Exactly. He's just losing weight. It's exactly. fine. It took someone finding my live journal where I was like in one of those like fucked up pro Anna, pro Mia oh, really? groups. Yeah, I found that rabbit hole. And like someone who had already graduated 
found it by accident, which now I'm like, how, how'd you find that, Annie? What were you, what were you doing over <laughs> yeah. there? But like sent it to a teacher and that's the only way it ever ended. I would have kept doing that. Yeah. I dropped 45 pounds in three months. Yeah. Not muscle, just, just not eating. The <laughs> same it, thing though. Like nobody paid attention. Nobody thought it was an issue until I got to a certain weight. Mm-hmm. And even though the the behaviors were were the same and the behaviors were just as deadly, like hurling over <laughs> the hurling over the the toilet, like I losing all of these electrolytes, I'm getting lightheaded. I'm like literally almost passing mm-hmm. out. Like I'm literally trying to kill myself, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily realize it. Um, and people people don't don't realize what's going on until you're physically like rail thin. And yet, from the ashes of this, you emerge as Angel Amore, taking pictures of this body that clearly there's a complicated relationship with. And yet, you're like, I'm going to get in front of a camera. I'm going to take my clothes off in front of it. I'm going to do a lot of really raunchy things on it. (laughs) I highly recommend. I've seen quite a chunk, everybody. Uh, And and, and so, but what's that experience? Because I know I was terrified. What what was that experience for you like? What is that experience? It's what like is? yeah, it's it's you know you're you're doing it too. It's a daily kind of. I would argue more people think you're hot than think I'm hot though. Just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but you know, you know like it's it's never it never goes away. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times you're on camera, like you're it's. I still have so, I'm so self conscious, mm-hmm. and I will. Sorry, I need to gather my Please? thoughts. It's yeah. So I, I really understand. Like what? I'm sorry. I'm take so nervous. Take take a, take a deep breath. Sorry, you want to take a breath together? Yeah, let's take a breath. Yeah, my Adderall is kicking in now, so I think that's, that's right. what's happening. That's okay. I just need to like take a sip of water. <sighs> Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, navigating that has been difficult with one, the eating disorder, and mm-hmm. then two, the gender stuff. Mm-hmm. So the two of those combined, it's not necessarily great for my eating disorder. You do what you got to do. I do enjoy it. And I think in, in a lot of ways, it has helped it and remedied it. Um, and in some ways, you know, it it's it can worsen it or it can... Um, God forbid you get the wrong still or the video is the wrong angle, the lighting hits the wrong way, and you go. Like, my day mm. is shot, like my yeah. whole day. And if I plan <laughs> to like film myself that yeah. day, I'm probably not going to film. Yeah, or it's like you, you see the outcome of the filming, and it just it wasn't. You know, I, I I've I d- thrown out so many videos because uh. I'm so self, but I'm sure my followers would. Not and I know that I'm saying it right now. I know my followers would could care less the way my butt looks, my butt dimple like looks in that one video. But I'm not releasing it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. What's a favorite part of your body? A fa- my favorite part what's, of what's your favorite part of your body? Probably my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you would say the same thing. I mean, I, I look, I've been conditioned from a young age. Yeah, but I, that's probably mine too. <laughs> I, I was grown up and people would say, you have beautiful eyes. And exactly. Then I'd be like, you want to get ice cream? Like I ask a girl out and she'd be like, oh no, we still think you're fat and gross. But we want you to know you have a positive attribute. We think you should know you have one. Uh, so <laughs> it would take a while till I learned like people liked hairy chests and thick thighs. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But the eyes was like, Yeah, the eyes is like that's the, thing this is the easiest one. Um <laughs> But I don't know, there's some, there's other things that, who knows if I didn't change it when I was younger, if I would 
feel the same about or feel differently about um like my nose so i used to have a very uh greek nose (laughs) when i was younger yeah um until like 17 after relentless bullying Mm. back in the time where like anti-bullying was not a fucking thing (laughs) like teachers would be like lolk (laughs) (laughs) good luck turn yeah just turn (laughs) literally turn the cheek and Mm. i would get like crumpled up pieces of paper thrown on my head and the teacher would just like look (laughs) as if nothing would happen yeah the bullying was awful it was from it was from girls and boys alike and so and I didn't realize that I was cared about girls' opinions in in other ways than mm-hmm. in than just like oh be my friend, but um, but yeah, like it was devastating getting bullied uh for my looks mm-hmm. by boys and things like that. And my mom saw that. My mom had a nose job, was gifted a nose job by her mom when she was younger. It's um, the family tradition, the Greek family <laughs> tradition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any any of those bullies subscribers now? <laughs> any of those bullies um i think at some point probably one or two <laughs> nice i feel like that's a nice like uh, a win so to speak i guess yeah. but it's at the same time it's like it's like that weezer song that makes me feel icky it's like the girl got hot which like i was totally like oh yeah that's like so me when i like got all fit and stuff mm. but i've had to very much reverse i was my hot. thinking about that <laughs> it's like you know what got like conventionally attractive and mm. we shouldn't be like virtuing this like certain way of looking as being like what's attractive would you really you practice in your content you have such a variety of people you you shoot content with that even i'm like i'm like wow there's like a real range like i i can't point that a lot of people i've seen you in scenes with and be like oh those two look the same like you shoot with different genders different body types i mean is that like come second nature to you is that something you purposely think i'm going to do this i don't know if it is something that i'm super intentional about i but i think i don't know if like years ago if i entered this Mm. um i would have approached it the same way like knowing what i know now and doing all the education that i've done and the self-work that i've done Mm. around fat phobia and diet culture and all of these things and and gender and everything um i think that like where i am now as a person like that it definitely comes very naturally because knowing now that people can find a range of bodies attractive Mm -hmm. And we don't have to subscribe to that, like, oh, we have to, like, be similar in order to do, you know, to, like, share each other, like, share for share, which is, like, something that you do in sex work, where I'll share a a creator on my profile, and they share me on theirs. And so we're both gaining, essentially. And historically, people would be like, oh, well, you want to share for share with someone who looks similar, and someone who's, like, the same body type, the same hair color, the same whatever it is, same gender or whatever. Um, And I think we're realizing now that a lot of people have a very large range of what they can find attractive. Um, and, and so I want to be able to cater to that. And I also find a large range of people and bodies attractive and I want to fuck hot people and get paid for it. So, yeah. (laughs) So you don't have like a type. I would say I have a type when it comes to who I let ruin my fucking life emotionally. (laughs) But not when it comes to who I fuck. I feel like that's way more important information to have, though, for yourself. Probably. Right? (laughs) So what what kind of content do you like to shoot? Um, What's some of your favorite stuff to to do? 
I like a, I do like to collab. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, I like doing kind of like switchy content. So I like content like within the content that shows off my switchiness. Mm -hmm. So like within a scene, I really like, I don't know, like playfulness and being able to kind of like switch between those two roles, like within a scene um, rather than like, Oh, this scene is like a Dom scene. This scene is a sub scene. I like when like two switches like fuck each other. And it's like just very playful. There's lots of energy. It's like, you know, everyone's kind of like vying, trying to vie for like power a little bit. I <laughs> think that's like a lot of fun. Trying to vie for not having the power. Yeah. Like you're both know, fighting it's... to have it and both fighting to be like, take me. Yeah. <laughs> it's hot. But like, there's usually, it's like a dance, you know, it's kind of like a little tango. It's like there's give and there's take and like someone knows when to kind of know when to give and when to take and i've had a couple of scenes where i feel like that has been the the energy and the vibe and it's been a lot of fun what was your first partnered scene like um and how'd you feel leading up to it and doing it i think my first my first one was black sin yeah okay because my other is that other the ones i don't want to talk about black person dom's Yes, uh, right. they're a um, an incredible dom, an incredible yeah, yeah. pro dom, um, an educator. Yeah, they. It was like a sensual BDSM bondage scene. There was like no penetration, no actual like sex mm-hmm. um, of any kind, no like fluid exchange. I don't think. Um, but it was still I don't such think. a. <laughs> well, like my there were my fluids were a part of it, but their <laughs> fluids were not a part of it. <laughs> um. But yeah, that was, it was, it was just like so cool to me that something that was like not PIV, not kind of like what you think in terms of classic porn could be like so hot and then like so well received by people. Yeah. So you, so how, so how'd you feel leading up to it? You're like your, fir- um, your first music like, Just pretty, content. pretty much excited. Okay. I wasn't like nervous at all. I feel, I felt pretty safe around that person. Um, yeah. Does, does doing porn feel like, did it feel easy for you to start doing? Did it feel kind of simple? Not necessarily. Uh-huh. It doesn't, like, always come naturally. Because, like, I'm sure you know you're not always feeling, like, sexy. Right. You're not always, especially when it becomes your job. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of the reason I, like, kind of pivoted to sex work was because I was doing sex education. I was finding that, like, I wasn't connected to my sexuality that much anymore mm-hmm. and sex work gave me like the opportunity to kind of connect back to my sexuality and now i've been doing it for like a year and a lot of it has become performative now um and so it there's it's more of a complicated relationship i'm not like super jazz like a hundred percent of the time like as much as i was when i like just started you know yeah like doe-eyed so, but the camera's on. You're set up. Got the makeup on. Sometimes the thing got you know has to get shot. Yeah. I was trying to think like because so so we were gonna do we were gonna do a scene that we're, we're not gonna be doing today, but we were gonna do like this fem, a femdom scene and sound like there was gonna be some anal action on me. And I was just like, but I was trying to put myself in the headspace of like, well, what if like in the middle I start feeling like it's less hot but still tolerable and such. And I was like, oh, what's that experience going to be like? I don't think I've had sex like that um, or, or interactions like that. So it, it, it's there's something interesting there of like when you're not turned on, but you still got to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely had those experiences before, mm-hmm. um, especially like longer days when you're on like your third scene and it's an anal scene and you're the one kind of doing more of the work (laughs) like even though the other person is you know putting in effort but 
when it comes to anal, you're doing most of the work. <laughs> you're putting in a lot of work um, just to receive, just to bottom. I don't know if enough people realize how much work bottoming is and it, prepping for bottoming is. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't, I don't always want to wash my ass out. Well, that was also why I was cool doing that, uh, proposing that as in like my list of st- ideas uh, to you because I was like, you're not only like you do that in your your spare time, but like being a sex educator, I was like, well, Jamie knows the things, so it's like if I have a question or if I'm like, is that how it goes? I'll be like, well, if Jamie's doing it, it must be how it goes because Jamie knows what they're doing, and I'm an idiot. So uh, there was definitely a sense of um, like safety and comfort because yeah. I felt like I'd be in good hands. So to speak. Yeah. Definitely. In more ways than one. <laughs> well, have, yeah, have good hands in me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Thought that one through. <laughs> you know, and, and when you were doing a lot of the, the freelance writing about uh, sex, you know, it's something that I, I ask a lot of people who talk about sex, even if they're not necessarily doing sex for work, uh, that people seem to also, people on the internet like want your sexual energy. I don't know if you ever experienced that where, uh, because you talked about sex, people think they can just come and talk to you about sex whenever they want to, regardless of if you want to talk about their sex life. Yeah, I I mean, it definitely was different. It's different now that I'm doing sex work. Because now you can, it, like, charge. Right? Yeah, because I'm charging right. for it. And, 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 of course, like, it's just par for the course yeah. getting you know dms and stuff where people are you know sending you dick pics or telling you what they want to do but but like i'm talking about like friends like thinking they can just dump their sex stuff to you without even and then the types of dms that i would get oh the types of dms that i would get for my sex ed account Mm -hmm. people who are like dumping entire life stories of their trauma with like a couple questions at the, at the end um, and like help me parse through my entire trauma and give me resources and all these things. Can you do a post on this very specific thing specific to me? Because just cause I asked you to and like, you don't get paid for any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that did get um, exhausting. And, but it was also, it felt good to be the one that people wanted that information from Mm. it felt yeah it felt good to be like wanted in that way and to have my content be um what people were going to when it comes to to finding what they need for sex ed would you you find that people from say like college just from like your your earlier years you know find through instagram whatever just see that this was the work that you were doing did you ever get people showing up who you weren't tight with you weren't friends with them back then you had a class together but then they come to you with this like heavy sex or dating question because they feel like i was jamie i guess um i've kind of made it very apparent that i don't want to talk to or associate or fuck with any of the people (laughs) from my high school (laughs) Um, for the most part, there's maybe a couple of queer people that I'm still friends with and like one person that I'm like super, super close with, um, <laughs> they're queer too. Um, shout out Matt. Um, <laughs> shout out Matt. Well, yeah. like one of my best friends from, so yeah, I don't really associate. I don't have uh, many of them on my, uh, Facebook or whatever. So that Lucky hasn't you. happened so much. It is more just like random people who are like, yeah, asking like, can you make a post about this specifically? Um, and then also not even bothering to go through my posts and like realizing that, yes, I have made six different posts about asexuality yeah. covering exactly what you just asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How how's it feel to like see like this big block of text? It's got people's traumas on stuff at the end. There's questions. And you also know, I really don't want to fuck with this right now. It's it's a 
it feels it makes me feel guilty which is, i shouldn't have to feel mm. which sucks yeah <laughs> i mean that's really because like i I, sh- I shouldn't have to to harbor all of those traumas and mm. and those conversations that people want to get out there and and I shouldn't have to be the person that all these people come to for specific direct resources. Like I, that should be something that someone gets paid for. Um, but also it's hard to ignore that. Yeah. Um, and it eats away at me inside. So, (laughs) yeah, no, I definitely feel that. And I think it's, it's, it's almost like it's, I feel like it's a symptom that people don't feel like they can talk to anyone about their their sex or dating lives uh that you have to hit up you know i got had some dude hit me up who like kind of used to bully me in high school but he's like hey like me and my girl think about having a threesome with like another guy because like i don't know i don't i don't know if i'm buying maybe i'm not maybe i don't know and like i don't know any help and then i'm just like you're gonna apologize for calling me a faggot a lot first can we oh start God. there and then maybe we could talk about how you're the one who maybe wants some dicks in his mouth and then like, <laughs> work through there maybe it would be nice um but yeah, yeah maybe if we had better sex ed we wouldn't have these people coming to us years later if schools would just hire jamie to come teach the kids uh, i don't want to go teach no. kids oh, no that's kids. not the kind who, of sex who, what that kind i want to do i want to do, do more or? like adult like entrepreneurial stuff like because okay. like we're not getting good <laughs> sex ed like, in schools we're not getting good sex ed in schools anytime soon so we're we're gonna need sex ed for adults sure. for many years to come <laughs> yeah absolutely uh so in you know this was interesting i did not know about you uh and unless your website's outdated but uh you identify mm-hmm. as a romantic or that did is a little outdated maybe interesting what was the can you tell us a little bit more about that what it was and maybe where the state of it is now uh so for a while once i like realized that there was a term for it and that it was a possible thing i started identifying as aromantic because i hadn't really ever experienced what people have described as like romantic love or falling in love with somebody mm-hmm. um and i'm 20 i'm almost 30 years old uh so i was like you know like maybe there's a pretty good chance that it's not just that i haven't found a person to and maybe it's just that i because i've I've dated a lot of people i've had experiences with a lot of people i interact with a lot of hot attractive cool people so like why wouldn't i so the logical explanation was like maybe i'm aromantic Mm -hmm. and there's room just like on ever when it comes to any other like romanticism or sexuality or gender or whatever it is it's a spectrum Mm -hmm. and i knew that so i was i would always kind of just be like, oh, I'm aero, gray, aero, gray, romantic, aromantic, but I would just say aromantic because it's easier. Was that because you didn't feel, you never felt romantically about people or just the, um, like a yeah, romantic never, relationship hadn't happened? I had never felt romantically about somebody. Yeah. Um, and then th- thus a romantic relationship yeah. never happened because I really had never felt like that about anybody, even the, but I've been in relationships, but I really never felt that way. I, there was definitely like the lust aspect, um, in those, um, and that's never <laughs> very absent for me. That's mm-hmm. kind of always there, um, the lust, uh, but yeah, I, I had never experienced, um, anything kind of beyond that. Um, 
So I started identifying as aromantic, gray aromantic, kind of just giving myself room like, oh, okay, like maybe that's not the case. Which as a one-liner definition, do you want to define aromantic for folks who are still like a little confused? So I would say that- It shouldn't be. It's really easy. I felt like if we know what asexual is, I feel like we can figure out aromantic, but- Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just um, either not experiencing or experiencing like low levels or infrequent levels of um, romantic attraction, Mm -hmm. not experiencing at all or- yeah. yeah. Okay. And then what's the state of it now? Because you seem a little unsure. Long story short, nothing has happened with this person. Okay. But uh, yeah, I kind of basically did uh, develop romantic feelings for a person, um, for a friend, uh, or somebody that I started like casually having sex with and then okay. developed a friendship with and then um, f- actually fell in love with, which is not <laughs> my MO, um, which was, yeah, I was, it was interesting. I thankfully had a therapist through, um, part of it and was able to, even though I didn't like, kind of like realize it quote unquote too late, mm-hmm. but yeah, long story short, I, I experienced what I guess people would say is romantic love. Give so me, give me a, give me a little more, s- give me a little more of the long story. What's the, what's the feeling? What's the, what's the sudden moment? Like, is this the, is this the thing? I think it was more like a gradual thing, but it was, it was hard for me to like admit to myself basically. And I kind of didn't admit it to myself till it was like too late to say anything basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the whole situation is like a whole mess. Oh no, It's fine. I'm, in, in in the long run, I'm thankful that it happened. Um, yeah, it sucks, but I'm thankful that I know that that's something that I can experience mm-hmm. and that it's like not completely off the table for me. Um, and even if it wasn't, like there's nothing wrong with that and like people have completely fulfilling lives without romantic love. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like glad I know that, oh, that's something that I can experience and maybe that's something that I want in the future. Um, Did yeah. you ever tell this person that you love them like that? Uh, no, but I don't think that I need to. Oh, <laughs> I don't was, think that person apparent. is. Um, well, it turns out that that person's probably not someone that I need to be in a relationship with oh. because not everyone that you fall in love with is necessarily a super great person or a match for you. Yeah. Oh, so well, I, is the friendship still intact at least or uh no oh gosh i'm so <laughs> yeah, sorry no, they're kind of a piece of shit <laughs> ah, i see gotcha gotcha well uh but at least now you know that that's yeah that's a new part about yourself to figure but out i would the 30s. still identify as i still kind of identify as gray aromantic because like the gray arrow kind of definition is more of like the people who like experience it like in very infrequently or mm-hmm. um in lower levels um and so i would say that that's me it's like very very infrequent i don't i know like people like will say oh i fall in love so quickly things i'm the opposite of that mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. the opposite of that is is me like it is very rare and few and far between um what would you say to someone who thinks aromantic is um fear of commitment or something like that um i mean i also have fear of commitment so oh you're you're like i swear they're not connected (laughs) but no but like the thing is like that's labels are that's that's one of the things that I like learned is like labels can be useful, but mm-hmm. like also don't attach like everything. You don't need to attach everything to labels and you're a person and you, you know, your emotions and, and, uh, things like your sexuality, your gender, all the, your romanticism that can all change over time. And 
So, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm going to leave it open. We'll see. Okay. Okay. You know, the concept of labels is something that's like growing and growing in like the mainstream. Now people are becoming more aware of these different labels that are out there, these options, uh, whether it's they're learning new terms that they might have to say in certain contexts or they're finding something that uh, they go, ooh, that might be me. What was it like to discover the aromantic label? What What is the importance of labels for you in your life? So, I mean, labels are super important. There are certain labels that are extremely important to me. It was also just as important to like know that you can shed labels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I needed to shed the aromantic label, I'm glad that I, I mean, I do think it, I did it a little too, or I, I wish that I would have done it a little sooner, even though the whole situation didn't like pan out as great. I wish that I would have done it soon enough to garner up the courage to like say something to like have acted on it. What does um, shedding the label look like? Um, like not using it on sure. on apps anymore. So just deleting and, it from stuff. Yeah, and so kind of allowing myself to allowing that to come more into my life because you know if you put like a romantic, even if you know. Me, either someone's just going to ignore it completely because they don't understand mm-hmm. it or they'll look it up or they kind of, you know, from context clues, garner what it means. And they're, they, you know, they have an idea of what it's going to be like to date me. So obviously mm-hmm. I took that off the profile because through that, I kind of realized like, oh, maybe I would be open to kind of a, a I'm not monogamous, but like a partnership of some sorts, like mm-hmm. a, uh, what I would call a, an anchor partnership mm-hmm. is what I'm kind of looking for. Yeah. You're also non-binary. Uh, do you want to explain what my, cause I've heard different answers to this in my continuing trying to understand what that means, which may be that it doesn't mean any one thing. Uh, but what, what does non-binary mean for you? So I think the label non-binary is kind of like a label used to just describe, uh, genders that don't fall underneath the binary of man or woman mm-hmm. um and then there's a whole different bunch of like labels within that that people kind of use to describe themselves or or choose not to use a label whatsoever mm-hmm. um but for me i'm non-binary because i'm agender um and that is i call myself agender because i don't really feel like i want to or need to or should be associated with like any gender mm-hmm. i i like the whole concept of gender to me is, I mean, I know it's man-made um, yeah. and it, and the, it's just been made in a way to control and manipulate people. Uh, <laughs> well, the thing is like non-binary is just like, it's not its own thing. It's just mm. like, we're not that it's an ab- It's an absence of this. Yeah. System. It's an, it's exactly. It's okay. an absence of like the binary. Mm-hmm. So it's not its own thing. It's just like you said, it's an, it's yeah, it's an absence of the binary. It's, and then like I was saying, there's a lot of different ways to feel that and manifest that. And, the, but that's the thing. It's, it's the absence of the binary. It's not necessarily the absence of gender for a lot of people mm. um, because gender can absolutely play a part in people's like non-binary gender, you know, gen like there's a lot of people who embody and, and want to play with gender or what we've come to understand as gender mm. and the different things associated with the quote binary genders. Um, so it's not an absence of gender. I would say it's, yeah, it's an absence of like the binary. Does it get frustrating having to like kind of educate a lot of subs and people who want to go look at your porn because you present typically pretty femme? And and so do you have to kind of do you have to deal with a lot of like, thank you, thank you, but like not a girl? I have to I don't 
deal with the educating. I just don't fucking bother. Cause okay. I like so many of these people are honestly not even intelligent enough to grasp it. Um, nor do most of them want to or care to. Mm. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's, that's what I do as a sex educator. I just, I have to kind of, I mean, I will, as far as not a girl and mm. then that's kind of as far as I'm going to go. And if like they fight defend, you on it, they're kind of a dick. Yeah. If they fight me on it, then like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to continue to engage with them. They can sub to my page and I'll get their money and they're like a gnat to me <laughs> i mean truth i mean truthfully yeah if i'm not interacting with them like my the subscribers like don't kind of exist unless they're interacting with you so what's a good uh engaged sub how does a good and engaged sub act with you i like subs who message who like we're saying sub as in a subscriber not sub necessarily yeah, as a yeah exactly right? okay. so, or fan we can call them fans because sure. yeah. it's only fans or fancy um yeah i would say fans who know that i mean i'm pretty sure like most people know that like liking our posts commenting on our posts engaging with our posts like literally makes our pages do better in like more ways than one so like you should know that as a fan and you should do those things it really helps especially if you can't tip which it should be par for the course like you're just paying like an entry fee it's like it's like paying it's like going to a, a not an amusement park, like a, a fair or something. You know, you pay the entrance and then you have to go pay like all these tickets. You have to buy tickets to go see all the other, to go to the other special um, rides or the special, I don't know, other options or to go to the petting zoo or whatever it is. You got to pay extra. So I feel like not enough <laughs> fans know that that's kind of the case. And if you can't afford it, stand around, you know, I don't know, the the bathroom and point people like, you should go check out yeah, that thing over there. exactly. I can't afford to Rally go there, Rally for should. them. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah exactly respond to messages like like messages like posts all those different things that really really actually does help the algorithms what's a good way to interact in dms with uh, a creator on OnlyFans? um i would say keep it relatively like non-sexting mm-hmm. like you can talk about like sexual things because it that's obviously what the what we're doing here um but know that i that we charge for sexting like by the hour by the minute whatever it is and so that's a a, usually an additional service and even people who say like free sexting in the dms like that's a lot of labor especially if you're doing sexting that involves clips video clips and pictures that that i just have to be ready at any time to send you video clips and pictures like yeah, that's it's it's labor like we're we're getting ready for that. We're making sure that we're ready at any time if mm-hmm. we're going to be doing that, if we're going to be doing like live anything. Um, so, yeah, I think paying attention to also paying attention to kind of more of the back end, taking more of that into consideration. Such as? Like all of the work that we do on the back end and understanding mm-hmm. that that is so much more of the and, and understanding that like it's not just us taking pictures and uploading it for you and taking pictures and uploading it for you and taking videos and uploading it for you. That's just yeah. like 10, 15% of the job. If I want to continue to make money for getting naked and uploading pictures and videos for you, then you got You got to show some money. Exactly. Flash that paper. <sighs> I like to, I like to tell people, people who who dm me on OnlyFans, i go like i'm just like hey if one of us is getting turned on i should probably start getting tipped it's probably a good idea if you start feeling like wet yeah, or hard I love to chat, probably a good yeah. time to like start throwing some tips in 
Yeah. 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 Definitely like chatting, like telling me like how your day was and like, you you know, even kind of talk to me about like some of your kinks and like, I'll have conversations. A lot of it gets into like my sex ed work and stuff. Mm -hmm. People who like find me through my sex ed work tend to message me a lot about that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice when I get like, I'll get like a DM be like, Hey, I love the podcast. I'm, I'm a straight guy. I'm not really into the content, but like the podcast. I'm like, don't know why you're following me here, but like, thank you. I I guess I got some, there's some pussy on my page somewhere for you. I guess. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's nice when people come and compliment you for being a person mm-hmm. uh outside outside of the titties yeah definitely you know? yeah um question you can say no do you have like an extra maybe like 10-ish minutes do a little bonus episode for patreon i was thinking talking about how to negotiate like how content creators like negotiate to do a scene with each other or to collab i don't know somewhat relevant uh, oh yeah totally yeah. Uh, okay cool yeah awesome yeah. so patreon folks you'll hear that tomorrow but for now jamie where can people go find you and find all your awesome work and uh <laughs> really jamie's really hot jamie's got really hot content gave me a free subscription to like <laughs> take a peek oh yeah that, that, that just that's, like expired felt, who huh? yeah that, that felt uh, oddly uncomfortable to say but uh hi you know mm, weird like i've interviewed really big porn stars i'm like i didn't know your work before i did a podcast but i was just like oh jamie's always well been. we'll have to you know film Show some me. content <laughs> yeah. together and then you'll get another trial <laughs> well uh jamie tell them where they can find you so i can stop blushing and shut my fucking because uh, <laughs> uh you can find my sex ed content um on instagram at jamie j leclair l-e-c-l-a A-I-R-E is the last name. And you can find my sex work um, Instagram, AngelXXAmour. The last name's A-M-O-U-R. Um, and then I am on OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash AngelAmour VIP. You can also find all my links, my sex work links, AngelAmourOfficial.com. And I will have links to all of that in the show notes. They're all links worth clicking. Patreon folks, you'll hear some more tomorrow. But for now, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Just, all right. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) You look confused at the question. I was like, no, that's exactly what I asked (laughs) for. You said, tell people to have a nice week. That's what I said. Again, our bonus episode on negotiating OnlyFans scenes. That's going to come out tomorrow for my $5 and up fan whores on Patreon. Again, you can gain access to that and so much more at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And don't forget to follow my free OnlyFans. Keep your eyes open for that sexy, sexy content I will soon be shooting oh, with Angel. I can't wait. Seriously, I've had a crush on them for years. Did I Did I kind of fanboy at the end of all that? Because I, I think I fucked up at the ending and I lost my professional cool. But hey, if you were sitting across from them for that long and you also knew that they were like down to blow you on camera, I think you'd also get a little flustered. I think that's fair. <laughs> but go follow my OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com slash CallMeBilly. Slide in the DMs. Come say hi. I like to flirt with all the genders over there. And if you have thoughts about this week's episode, we'd love for you to join the conversation in the champagne room. We have an episode discussion channel dedicated to all man whore podcast conversation, but episode discussion threads ain't even the only thing we're doing there. We've got channels about parenting, channels about movies, a channel about politics, and of course, our lovely Sexual Achievement Sunday channel. 
Introduce yourself today at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Of course, you can always email me your comments, your questions, your criticisms to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Want to hear your question or your comment on the show? You can now call in for the for at least the next month. Show me you want it. Call in today. Leave a voicemail at 646-580-1351. Again, call in your comments and questions to 646-580-1351 all of October. I'm uh, I'm I'm being heavily distracted by my beautiful girlfriend at the moment so i am gonna have to log off of here so i can so i can properly entertain her anyways i hope y'all are staying safe staying sane getting vaccinated and as always staying slutty (laughs) 